Well, good evening. Good to have all of you with us tonight. As I mentioned this morning, our lesson for tonight is one that is of particular interest to me. It's one of those that uh, I, I had a great interest in studying for. But the lesson's title is The Oneness and Trinity of God. We've been talking about on Sunday nights, well, the last Sunday night, and we'll continue to talk about through the next Sunday nights coming up about God, just different things about God, things that we need to know, things that will help us to build our faith in God. And tonight's lesson is, is very interesting. To us as Christians, especially those of us that were raised in the church, uh, we, we understand this concept, but there are a lot of people in the world that would look at this concept that we're going to look at tonight and say, can't happen, can't be, doesn't make any sense. Christianity itself rests on two distinct principles regarding God. God is one God. There is no other God but the God that we serve. It also rests on the principle that God exists in three persons. Now how can God be one God and be in the form of three persons? That's what we're going to look at tonight. And again, to the world, these principles seem to contradict themselves to some degree. And looking at it from a worldly standpoint, from a human standpoint, I couldn't, couldn't disagree. I, I, I can see their point of view. But to the Christian, these principles are taught in Scripture and are very much so fundamental to our faith. If we cannot get past that there is one God and yet that one God is in the form of three persons and yet it comes together, together perfectly, then we, we, we have nothing to stand on. We have no faith because that's exactly what faith is. But we have to understand that there is one God and this one God exists in three persons. Our lesson objectives for tonight are one, to learn how God can be one and still exist in three persons. And number two, though there are many things beyond our comprehension, we want to learn enough to build confidence in our belief and be able to teach others. This is something we need to be able to explain. We talked about this morning about being ready always to give a defense or an answer to anyone who has a question about our faith. We need to be ready. So we must know how this works. We begin with the fact that there is one God. One God. The Bible teaches that there is only one God. This stands in contrast to other beliefs such as polytheism and idol worship where many gods are created or, or, or thought of and, and they serve those many gods. And sometimes those many gods have different aspects about them. Maybe you have a sun god and a moon god and, and a god of the earth and a god of the heavens and all kinds of other things. You get into Greek mythology and that's exactly what you find. Christianity stands in contrast to any of those beliefs. 
When we don't believe in a different God for everything, we believe that there's one God who created the world. One God who's in charge. Only one God that we serve. We read about one God in the Bible. Inspired writers have written and spoken that there is one God. Let's begin with Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning with verse 4. Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Verse 13, you shall fear the Lord your God and serve Him. Looking at the prophets, we see Malachi who says in Malachi chapter 2 and verse 10, Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, in reference to eating of the things offered to idols, in 1 Corinthians 8 and verses 4 through 6, it says this, Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we are for Him. And one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. But there is one God, one God the Father, one Lord Jesus Christ, but there is one God. We'll look at how that works in a moment. But there is but one God. There are a couple of passages that we can look at where Paul stresses the importance of this one God. Teaching those who served many gods, who had many idols before them, and yet he taught there's one God. Turn with me to Acts 14. Let's look at verses 8 through 18. Acts 14, beginning with verse 8. Paul teaching men who believed that he and Barnabas were gods said this. We'll read a little bit of the context too. Verse 8, And in Lystra a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Lycaonian language, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men, 
And Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Remember the Greek mythology I mentioned earlier. Verse 13, Then the priests of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. And in verse 14, But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We, are, we also are men with the same nature as you. And preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them. Who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness. And that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, verse 18, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. These people, they didn't understand the concept of God. Paul was trying to teach them, we are but men, we're not gods. There's one God. There is one God that you need to serve. It's the God that has created all things, that blesses us, as he has, but there is one God. Paul teaching a city immersed in idolatrous worship. In Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 31, said this. Acts 17, verse 24. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hand. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said. Even reaching into the things that they knew, the things that they had studied. These are what their poets had said. For we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God. We ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because He has appointed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom He has, has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising Him from the dead. You know, we talked about this morning about faith. One of the things that we said that faith is not, it's not blind acceptance. It's not something that's illogical. It's not something for an uneducated people. Look at Paul. 
He had faith. But he was a well-educated man. He, he knew what the poets had said. He used that as part of his illustration here. Paul was an educated man. But he had faith. He taught them about the one God who doesn't need to be worshipped. He doesn't need anything from us. We're the creation. God is of a nature that we can't understand. We can't comprehend. There's a time when the ignorance, this ignorance God overlooked. Paul tells these people, now, now there's a time that God calls all to repentance. He has appointed a day in which we will be judged. We are given assurance of all of these things. Both passages that we read here in Acts are words spoken to people without the basic knowledge of God. They had knowledge of God's, the things that they had been taught, but they weren't the true God. They, they lacked that basic knowledge of one God. They needed to understand that there was one God. Before believing anything else regarding Christianity, we must believe that there is only one true God. God. Seeing that there is only one God, we also see that He has revealed Himself in three persons. God comes in the form of three persons. And that's, that's difficult to understand. How can there be one God but three persons? Or... Are they three different gods? How, how do they work together? How, how does this come together? We understand that God has made Himself known in three persons. Turn to Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Familiar passage to us. We read here the Great Commission and Jesus spoke these words. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. So here we see the three persons of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 4 through 6, another familiar passage to us. There is one body, one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. 
one Spirit, one Lord, whom we know to be Jesus in 1 Corinthians 8, verse 6, and one Lord Jesus Christ. Understand Lord to be Jesus. And one God and Father of all. There is but one faith. One baptism. One God. In the form of three persons. God has seen fit to reveal this to us in His Word. That there are three persons of the Godhead. They work together. And, and we get into our next point. Three and one and one and three. I don't have time to go through all the scriptures, but you might want to write some of these down. Look at them later. We understand that all three persons in the Godhead are God. God the Father is God. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. 2 Corinthians 6, 16 through 18. Jesus the Son and Lord is God. John 1, 1 through 5 and verse 14. John 1, 1 through 5 and verse 14. The Holy Spirit is God according to Acts 5, verses 3 and 4. Acts 5, verses 3 and 4. For the sake of time, we won't read those passages, but we need to understand that all three persons of the Godhead are God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are not three different gods. Not such as you have Zeus and Hermes as we looked at earlier as they thought Paul and Barnabas to be. Not in the form of idols or anything like that. These are not three different gods, but they are all God. Each one is his own person and has his own personality. We read of different things that each one does. We understand them to be different. And yet they do not work apart from one another, but share one divine will. They have one purpose. Turn to John chapter 14. Let's notice verses 13 through 21. John 14 and verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me and keep, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever. This is Jesus speaking. And I will pray the Father, He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth. Verse 17. Whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him. For He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. 
A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. And that day you will know that I am in, that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. John 15 verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth proceeds from the Father. He will testify of me. In John 17, as part of Jesus' prayer before His crucifixion, John 17 and verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in Me through their word, that they all may be one as You, Father, are in Me, and I in You. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I, gave, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I and them, and you and me. That they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. From the beginning, God had a perfect plan. It led from the Old Testament all the way into the New Testament and to our day and time today, plan to redeem mankind. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, they all work together as one to the perfect completion of that plan. They have one purpose. The purpose being here what Jesus said, that we are to be one in them as they are one with one another. The Godhead, we understand, is one in essence. John 10 and verse 30. Colossians 2, verses 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. The Godhead is one in will and purpose. John 16, verses 12 through 15. John 16, verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are Mine. Therefore I said that He will take of Mine and declare it to you. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. 
the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. They are one. Three persons of the Godhead. They have different roles that they play at different times. And yet they are one. They work together as one for the completion of one perfect plan. One purpose. To our minds, there are certain things that I feel like are difficult for us to comprehend and put together. And this is one of them. But yet, it's what we're taught in Scripture. It's what we know to be so. That there are three persons of the Godhead, and yet they are one. I, I like to use the illustration of marriage because I think it, it kind of presents a good way of understanding to us how the Godhead works together as one. And I, I believe that, the mar that marriage is designed after the Godhead to some degree. Notice what is said in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. As we look at marriage, we understand that the husband and wife, they don't become one person. But they do become one in life and purpose with two distinct existences working toward one singular goal living and working together as one as we look at the way that marriage is designed we see that the man is the head of the household as Christ is the head of the church she has a role that he plays within the family. He makes the, the big decisions. He, he tries to lead his family in the ways of God. He should. The wife has her role as well. That, that she takes more care of the household and, and the children, making sure that, that everything is in line there. And she submits to her husband. We see that that's the way that a marriage works. They are two separate functions, two separate persons, but yet it says here in verse 24 of Genesis 2 that they become one flesh. They become one in their purpose toward the family and making sure that the family is provided for. They, they help each other. Woman was created for man because God saw that man needed a help meet, and so He created woman. And the Godhead works in a similar fashion. The Godhead with three distinct existences and personalities work together toward one common goal. To the creation and the eventual salvation of mankind. The plan is set forth from the beginning of time and is being fulfilled in our lives today. God sent His Son to be the sacrifice for our sins. Jesus had His role. 
Jesus offered himself for the atonement of our sins. So we see that, that God had a role, that, that Christ had a role. God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. Jesus was willing to give himself for the atonement of our sins. He went to the cross so that we might be redeemed. The Holy Spirit was promised as our comforter and guides us in the paths of righteousness. The Holy Spirit has a role as well. We see that all three of these have a function and yet they work toward one common purpose. Three and one, one and three. Different and yet the same. Three, but they're one. God is one God. We have three separate persons of the Godhead. But they are not three different gods. They are one God. They work together for one common purpose. Difficult to understand, yes, maybe. But impossible to understand, no. God has given us everything that we need to believe these things are so. Again, for our salvation, we see that God was willing to send His Son to die on the cross for our sin. He suffered greatly on that cross. Pain, humiliation. He suffered it all. And we are told that we need to do something as well. First, believe. Believe in all these things that, that we have said, that we have, have spoken here tonight. Believe these things that God, is, God teaches in His Word. Believe and put your belief into action. Confess that belief. Confess that you believe that Christ is the Son of God. Repent. Change your life. Do God's will. Be baptized for the remission of your sins. I'm a Christian. We understand that when we are baptized, we come in contact with the blood of Christ, spiritually speaking. And being covered with that blood, our sins are not counted against us any longer. However, we are told that we must remain faithful throughout our lives. And I don't know where you stand. Maybe it is that you... Maybe you've obeyed the gospel. You've not remained faithful. Maybe you've not obeyed the gospel. Maybe you've never started your walk of faith. But if you have any need tonight, we want to help you. We always offer an invitation because we never know the hearts and minds of the individuals that are present with us. And maybe it is that you need to come in obedience or repentance. Whatever your need is, if there's something that we can do to assist you, we stand ready to do that. If you'll come as we stand and as we sing.